Last week in our session, Graham, you talked um, about... It's, it's Ian, actually. <laughs> Ian, of course. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, Ian, uh, last week you talked about your feelings of rejection following your split with your girlfriend and how you feel as if you're destined never to find someone to love. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm happily married. My problem is at work. Oh, that's right. It's coming back to me. Your low self-esteem and the older you get, the less you feel valued by your boss and, crucially, your younger co-workers. No. <laughs> I'm fine about getting older in the workplace. Are you sure? You're quite old. <laughs> yes, I am quite sure. There's no problem there. Have you fully thought this through? I haven't thought this through at all, actually, because the thought hadn't even occurred to me. Oh, I remember now. You have fantasies about dressing up as a woman and fellating your male boss. No! It's involuntary erections in formal situations. Look, how about I tell you what it is? No, I'll get it eventually. We only have an hour! Ah, now I remember. Anger. That 
that's the problem, isn't it? No! You sound pretty angry to me. Well, I'm angry now, yes. Excellent. Now we're getting somewhere. No! We're not getting somewhere. I wasn't angry when I arrived, but you forgetting everything about me has made me very, very angry. Oh, this is excellent. So you're truly angry? Yes! Oh, that's good. Get it out. It's not good, you dipstick. This isn't what I want to get out. My problem is that I'm bored with work. And what do you do? I'm a therapist. <laughs> Welcome to the Stony Bridge Council meeting. First item on the agenda is a bit of a thorny issue. A thorny issue? <laughs> thorny, will you get your mind out of Suarek? Although this does actually have to do with the Stony Bridge toilet facilities. Get your mind back in the sewer, eh? <laughs> we need to refurbish our lavatories to be more inclusive. Inclusive of what? Our facilities need to cater more for the Stony Bridge LGBT community. <laughs> what the LGBT does that stand for? Oh, I think it's the large girls' biscuit tasting community. <laughs> no, don't be ridiculous. It's the let's get bladdered tonight community. <laughs> well, you get with the times, you bunch of dinosaurs. LGBT stands for lesbian, gay, bi, trans community. Oh! Well done, us. I didn't realise we had one. Well, we do, and we need to upgrade the bogs. Excuse me. You could eat your dinner off the seats, and I personally have seen to it that every cubicle has its own toilet cake. Which is delicious, by the way. <laughs> look, 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 the point is we need to make everyone welcome in our toilets. I've certainly heard Brucey making someone very welcome in the men's bar cubicle, mentioning no names. Magret. Oh, it was a medical emergency. Could we make both the toilets unisex? Unisex? <laughs> it means unisex. No, I don't. I mean unisex. So unisex can use them. Could we just put a picture of a toilet on the toilet door? So then everyone can go in and use the crapper no matter what junk they've got in their trunk. Well, that's just the kind of small-minded bigotry I might have expected from you lot. Well, Willie, we're trying our best. You're awfully sensitive about this issue. Nah, well, so would you be if your wife was changing gender. Oh! What brought this on, Willie? She says she feels trapped in her own body. We're all trapped in our own bodies. <laughs> is it not just she's trapped with your body, Willie? So, how far has your partner proceeded in the... Process, Willie. Well, things are moving apace. Yesterday she bought a pair of Y-fronts. Oh, well. <laughs> We'd better get a shift on then. Right, next item. I have a suggestion from the Let's Get Bladder Tonight community. Can we discuss it in the pub? That's the suggestion. Come on. Yay. Hi, you wanted a word? Uh, yes, Brian, thanks. i tell you what it is. It's about the programme notes for the play. You know, I, I was just wondering if there's still time to change the biogs. I think so. Why? Well, it's just that Hugh's biog is three times the length of mine, so it looks like he's done three times as much stuff. Um, not that it matters, but it does. <laughs> we went through all this, Brian, and we were very careful to make sure that because of your equal billing, both you and Hugh listed the same number of credits. Yeah, yes, but Hugh's show titles are so much longer than mine. 
And his tellies, he's got Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Miss Spider's Sunny Patch Friends, and Crowd Man Doon and the Flaming Sword of Fire. Whereas I've got Lewis, Fox and Boone. <laughs> ah, I see the problem. Yeah, in his films, he's got the Englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain, the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover, and Patang Yang Kipperbang. Whereas I've got Ben, Kez and Snatch. <laughs> Yes, Brian, but he's you know, played the mayor of Casterbridge, Wackford Squeers Jr., and major, 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 major at the Birmingham Hippodrome, the Liverpool Actors Studio, and the Wolverhampton Civic Hall. And I've played Dob Gogo and Q at the Why the Met in the Mart. <laughs> well, we can't change your career, can we? He's done it intentionally. Oh, come on, you wouldn't do that. Q Weatherall Fernley Athelstonford <laughs> wouldn't intentionally seek out titles, parts, and theatres with longer names. That's exactly what he's done. I think you're being paranoid. Well, I think he's at it. Anyway, I, I've just remembered some plays I did many years ago. And if I may, in my theatre section, I'd like to take out Da, Nine and Cats and instead insert for coloured girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow was enough. Can Hieronymus Merkin ever forget Mercy Humpet and find true happiness? And the persecution and assassination of Jean-Paul Marat as performed by the inmates of the asylum at Charenton under the direction of the Marquis de Sade. And where exactly did you perform those? Well, there was a small festival on Anglesey, just outside Clanvar Puchwin Gilgoria at Silly Old I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> On Anglesey. <laughs> yes, I thought it might have been there. OK, I'll see what I can do. Oh, great. Thanks very much. Uh, there's the man himself. Hugh, darling, you were marvellous today. Can't tell you how much I'm enjoying working with you. <laughs> and now on Radio 4, the next in our series of The People's War, we hear from those who remember. Ah, oh, of course, we'd get all excited when the American GIs come into the docks. We were young and innocent. Oh, we'd line up down the quayside in our Sunday best and we'd cheer as the boats come in. All oh, the Americans looked so handsome with their buzz cuts and their huge great teeth. The GIs was very generous to us young girls, very kindly. They bought us all sorts of exotic gifts like chewing gum and nylons and venereal diseases. <laughs> oh, I kept mine as a souvenir. <laughs> the nylons, not the syphilis. <laughs> oh. I came out of prison and I was sent straight off to the front line. Result! <laughs> Three square meals in your hand and a gun. I shot a bunch of Germans and got a medal. In 1956, I shot a man in Socky Hall Street. Got 25 years in the jail. And when the judge sent me down, he asked if I had anything to say. I says, aye, them Germans I shot were probably decent guys. The man in Socky Hall Street was a vicious bastard who'd beaten up his wife. I bloody loved the war. The war was great. It was civilian life, I couldn't do. Well, my parents knew things were getting bad, and so they decided the best thing to do was to get me out of the country, as quick as possible. So they decided to post me to London. <laughs> they get me to fold myself up very small, and they put me in a little wooden box, and they drill some holes. And then they pack me 
in and cover me over with fish. <laughs> Lots of little fish, sprats. And they post me all the way to London. But when the people in Hackney, the other end, open the box, it stinks of fish, of sprats, and nobody wants me. Why would they? So they pack me back in the box and send me back to Germany. And were your family still alive? Yeah, of course, they are very pissed off. Because you were back in danger again. No, there was no danger. This was long before the war. I was just a very annoying child. Sometimes I despair about dear old Blighty. All sorts of awful things going on that gives one a terrible frighty. Thuggery, muggery, buggery. I want to stay and hide away out of sighty, but now I've found somewhere I can escape to where things are all righty. It's the kind of place where people dress correctly in barbers and blazers with badges and slip-on shoes. Well-pressed vests, we're a cut above the rest. With fine wines and cufflinks and lots of egg scouts and security gates to keep the riff-raff out. What is this marvelous place of refuge, I hear you ask? <laughs> it's the people like me club, the people like me club. It's well-mannered and polite. The people like me club, the people like me club. We're all welcome if you're male and white. Sky-high membership fees, we do what we please. It's the people like me club, the people like me club. Don't worry about a uni degree. The people like me club, the people like me club. To advance in life, connections are the key. We revere the House of Lords and we're mustard-colored cords. It's the people like me club, the people like me club. So open the door, walk into 1954. The people like me club, the people like me club. Okay, one tomato soup. Would you like some bread? Yeah. So, is there anyone else? Oh, yeah, soup, please. There you go. Thank you. Hang on. Brian Rogers, is that you? Yeah, my God. Jenny Marshall, how are you? Fine, fine. Yes, just doing a bit of voluntary work. Wow, a long time no see. Yes, indeed. God, I haven't seen you since... You uh... chucked me. <laughs> Chuck's rather a strong word, Jenny. Dumped? Dumped, yes, oh. that's, that's better, yes. You sure I did the dumping? Oh, yes, I remember it well, yes. Really? Mm, hard to forget, you left such a lovely phone message. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember now. Yeah, sorry about that. I was hoping you'd answer. At three in the morning. Was it really? Time flies, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, no hard feelings, I hope. No, 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 of course not. No, you had things to do career pathwise. Didn't have time for a serious relationship or children or anything like that. <laughs> Did I really say all that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you really did. <laughs> well, there you go. So now you're, you're eating at a soup kitchen. Interesting. Eating? Oh, no, you always did see things at face value. I'm researching, Jenny. Is that right? Oh, yes, I've noticed a gap in the market. <laughs> Soup's eaten by everyone, you see. From kings and queens to people living rough in the street, it's a win-win. Multi-seller, so I'm looking under the soup bonnet. And thus far, I'm seeing a lot of low-hanging fruit. Yeah, you're taking this research a bit seriously, aren't you? Look at the state of you. Undercover, Jenny. <laughs> if word gets out I'm drilling down into the soup market, it'll be like the gold rush all over again. 
Gotta get all my ducks in a row first. There's no sunset in soup, Jenny. People will always want it. Right, so you're scoping the market, I take it. Keep the old voice down, Jenny. Don't open the kimono, for God's sake. (laughs) Things are at a very delicate stage. A very early stage, I'd have said. Well, the best way to learn, Jenny, is to get down and dirty on the shop floor. Well, you're certainly doing that. I can smell you from up here. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, how about you? Still single? No, no, married with three children. Oh, bad luck. (laughs) Uh, Still working? Yeah, pro tem. Martin and I are going to take early retirement and get a place on the south coast, or south of France, probably both. Hell of a hard, though, having two places. Deciding which country to be in at the weekend. Very stressful. And what does this Martin fellow do? He sells soup. Really? No, not really, no. He was your backfill, Brian, does your old job and does it very well. It's funny how things turn out. Well, must get on. Enjoy the soup. Oh, I will. Don't you worry. All right, ball breaker, that one. Got out just in time. <laughs> and now, thought for the day with the Reverend Murdo McMinn from Belair. Good morning. Or is it? Maybe you've not had a good morning. I've not had a good morning. Uh, Let me explain. Up until yesterday, I was a bit anxious as I hadn't come up with a thought for this day or any other day. (laughs) But then yesterday afternoon, I was doing my weekly shop in the local Minabout when I came across a punnet of tomatoes. (laughs) Which made me think, maybe this little punnet of innocent-looking tomatoes can give me a thought for the day. Some sort of allegory, perhaps. (laughs) But no such allegory popped into my head. (laughs) So, I didn't buy the tomatoes. (laughs) But for the rest of the day, I kept thinking about them. What was it about those tomatoes that had struck such a chord? And then I remembered. Those tomatoes were on my shopping list. (laughs) I had planned to make myself some tomato soup. A bouillabaisse, if you will. So I rushed back to the Minimart, which sadly was shut. So I'm sorry to report that the old red mist descended. (laughs) And I picked up a pebble, a stone. Well, it was more like a breeze block. (laughs) That was lying nearby and smashed in the Minimart window. (laughs) Clambered inside and made off with my tomatoes. Leaving the correct money by the till, of course. (laughs) And last night, As I sat in my cell... (laughs) All my cell... The sergeant brought me my dinner. And do you know, it was tomato soup. (laughs) The Lord indeed works in mysterious ways. So, uh, my thought for the day is this. If you're making tomato soup and you're strapped for a story for your thought for the day slot, try not to panic. The Lord will provide, and the police will do the soup. (laughs) And now on Radio 4, it's time for the charity appeal. 
This week on behalf of the Park Charity, the Posh Actors Are Also Real People Charity. At home, we were seen as the rebels. A lot of us were rejected by our parents. They don't understand. When I said I was going to drama school, <laughs> my mother cried for weeks. She imagined me living in a slum, having to pay my way by working on a market stall. But I said to her, Mummy, don't worry, I won't have to be in EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 and in a way, that's the problem. We just wouldn't get cast in Enders or Corey, no matter how much we deserve it. Because when directors find out you're an Odetonian or a Herovian or whatever, they only cast you as an American with an ambiguous moral compass in a high-quality US cable TV series. Yeah, when what we really want to play is teachers, or tax inspectors, or a bloke who works down the factory, <laughs> car park attendant, with a bit of a limp, maybe. <laughs> Normal people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we get bashed for doing rubbish working-class accents, but, to be fair, we're pretty good at them. I mean, I, I hate to boast, cos we at Old Etonians pride ourselves on our humility, <laughs> but... I actually got an A-star in self-deprecation. Sir, please try to look beyond the advantage of our enormous wealth. We may be posh, but we're real people too. Hello, thank you for holding. Can I help you? Oh, I hope so. My name's uh, Callum, by the way. Hello, Callum. So, so that is the, the Google HR department. Yes, sir. How can I help today? Well, uh, firstly, I just want to congratulate you all on your new logo. You know, <laughs> it's brilliant. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's clever. You know, it's like it's, it's new, but it's also exactly the same. <laughs> Which is not easy. It does take time, sir. I mean, it's good that you've kept it, you know, the same letters, the same spelling. G-O-O-G-L-E. Sir? That's G for gnome, O for nothing. <laughs> o for I know how to spell it, thank you, sir. Yeah well, yeah, well, as I was saying, it's good with those letters, you know, that's good. And you've kept the same colours, you know, that blue, red, yellow, then blue again. That's all brilliant. Thank you, sir. But, and, and this, for me, is, is the masterstroke. You've, you've changed the typeface, you know. <laughs> I mean, how, how did you choose that new one? Well, there was much discussion, I can assure you. Oh, I bet there was. I mean, there's so many typefaces to choose from, aren't there? There's hundreds. There's Abaday MT Condensed Extra Bold. <laughs> Abaday MT Condensed Light. Yes, I, I know, American sir, Typewriter and yes, Dali Mono. Sir, just... Apple Casual, yes, Apple Chancery. I get it, sir. I, I, yeah, there are a lot of typefaces to choose from. Well, we're very glad you like the new logo, sir, and thank you for calling. But what's most brilliant about it is... Yes, sir? Do people get paid to do that? <laughs> you know, to change the typeface. Uh, yes, sir. People get paid. We have a team. A team? There's a bunch of them. And, and it's their job to sit around deciding the new typeface. Oh, yes, sir. Sounds brilliant. Well, it's hard work, sir. Oh, which is where I come in. 
<laughs> See, what I was wondering was, could I join you? I'm pretty good with typefaces, and, you know, maybe when it comes time to doing the next logo, as long as it's not too difficult, you know, as long as you're, like, keeping the same letters, <laughs> which seems likely. Well, uh, thank you for your kind offer, but we're very happy with our team as it stands. Oh, well, I'm not surprised, but they might get poached when other folks see this new logo they've done. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge, sir. But, uh, another option you might want to consider is to have me as your Scottish wing, you know. <laughs> I could kind of head that up. We're probably OK, sir. You know, I could keep, keep my nose to the ground, test the water over here, check if folk are still happy with the spelling, you know, <laughs> if they're still on side with the colours, uh, and I could check what sort of typeface is popular over here. Uh, sir, why don't you email us your resume and we'll put you on file? Oh, brilliant. Are you going to file me under C for Callum or G for Gulhuli? See, if it's Callum, that's C for... Oh, dear, I must have cut him off. Hope that doesn't count against me. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Frank Holtz. The other day I visited London, and I was out and about, and I'd had to think. I won't say I was pagogetic, because that's quite a difficult word for me to say. <laughs> Well, I was a bit wibbly-wobbly, a little bit wibbly And I needed to visit the gavetry, and I, I just passed a hotel. I, I don't mean I just excreted a hotel. <laughs> Although I did stay in one in Rill once that I think somebody had. <laughs> so I popped into the hotel to use their gavetry, and at the end of the foyer I saw this door skied open, and a bloke came out, and I thought, oh, that'll be it, and I nipped in. Found myself in this little square room with a, with a panel of, of numbered buttons on the wall. Nothing else. I've got a posh hotel in London, you know, it's uh, going to be a state-of-the-art, high-tech, gravity, so I press the button with number two on it. <laughs> because that's why I was there. <clears throat> and the door slid shut and a little bell went ding and there was a sense of movement, which I thought was appropriate. <laughs> no receptacle for anything, but I thought, well, you know, high-tech, maybe, maybe a hoover or something will just pop out the wall. I dropped, I dropped my trousers. Sorry, sorry to go into such detail, but bodily function shouldn't be swept under the carpet, should they? <laughs> dropped my trousers, assumed the gavetry position, <clears throat> and the door slides open. I, I couldn't believe it, and there's this bloke standing there. He says to me, is it going up? <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what to say. I said, what's it going to do with you? Anyway... Mercifully, the, the door slid shut then. Half a minute later, it slides open again. This time, several people actually came in. <laughs> Nobody said anything, but the atmosphere, the atmosphere, well, you could have cut it with a knife going <laughs> in more ways than one. <clears throat> and this, this just kept happening. It, it was an absolute bloody nightmare. Pardon, pardon my language, ladies and gentlemen. I hope I haven't offended anyone with that. <laughs> and there was no toilet paper, which was the ghast straw, really. That's, no, I was so cross, I, I stamped my foot, which was a mistake. I should have whipped it. <laughs> well, I was absolutely furious. And at the end, I, I stormed up to the reception desk to complain. But another bloke, another bloke had just beaten me to it, and he was absolutely furious as well. Because, apparently, and you won't, you won't believe this, ladies and gentlemen, but apparently somebody had done a poo in the lift. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, ladies and gentlemen, London, you can keep it. The Absolutely Radio Show was written and performed by Pete Bakey, Marwena Banks, Murray Hunter, Gordon Kennedy and John Sparks. It's produced by Gus, Petey and Gordon Kennedy and was an Absolutely Comedy Unit production for BBC Radio 4.